Please turn in your Bible to John chapter 15. You know, I got thinking of some things that we say that we love. When we think of things that we love, we all love good food, don't we? I don't know how that got on my list first, but it did. We love good food. When I hear people use the word love, you hear a lot of times about puppies and kittens. Right? Puppy love. Things that we love, we love our family. And then it breaks out from there and goes into individual interests. There's different things that that people love that they're good at. And so this morning, or this Memorial Day weekend, I want to talk to you about a greater love. Because he talks about that in Scripture. And what is this greater love? And so we are going to read, we're going to begin in John 15, verses 12 through 13. He says this, This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And I pray this morning that you'll speak to us. That we'll hear from you. That we'll meet with you. And that you will reveal yourself to our hearts. I pray that your will will be done. And the joy in following you will be evident in our life. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we discuss the greater love, we're going to see what that is. What that is defined. We're going to look at good intentions and then we're going to see the greatest gift. And so define, a greater love defined... Here the author commands us to love one another as he loved us. That's a tall order, isn't it? (laughs) You know, we often stop at, we should love one another. You know, we're supposed to love one another. And we see that in other passages in Scripture where that does stop. We see it in 1 John. We see it in in, uh, some of the other Gospels. But he adds to that here in these verses. He says, you're to love one another as I've loved you. And the love which Christ came was a sacrificial love. It was the setting aside of the expression of his glory. The walking out of heaven where he was worshipped. Laying all of that down to come and be rejected. He chose rejection so that we could choose acceptance. That's a pretty big love. Nobody wants to be rejected. Everybody wants to be liked and accepted. They don't want anybody to think that we're strange or that there's something wrong with us. We want to be in the group. We want to feel like we fit in. Well, Jesus came to a place. Listen, godliness, I'm going to tell you something. If you fit in with the world, then you're not living godly in Christ Jesus. Okay? The only one I really care to fit in with is him. And if I align myself with him, he'll take care of the rest. But we're to love in the same way. 
he did not hold anything to laying down all that was due him. He didn't think to uh, any twice about laying down the respect he was due. Boy, when people did, guys, this really triggers our button, doesn't it? When we're shown disrespect, it will trigger our button faster than anything. So, especially men, you know, we want to be respected. And Jesus was disrespected. He was called a liar. He was called deceptive. But you know, guys, there's reasons if those in the world don't respect me because of my stance for Christ, then that's okay. Now, we also need to act respectable. Amen? Amen. That's not an excuse. We don't, you know, you come into relationships with an element of things are this way. And you can either enhance it or lose it, right? And that's how it works. And so, as we go through, he tells us at the beginning that we're to love one another as he loved us. So we have to learn to, we have to learn how he loves so that we can respond in like manner. Next we learn how he loved us. We're told that there's no greater love than one lay down his life for his friends. So how did he love us? If you watch it, you break this out to the actual words themselves. It says here, he, t- he talks about laying down. A choice to surrender. We give, it's a, it's a willingness. Um, if somebody's murdered, they did not lay their life down. It was taken from them, right? But here it was a choice. Jesus had a choice. And he chose to surrender it. He chose to give it up. Uh, most of us would say that our life is the greatest thing we own, our greatest possession, if you will. Because what of yours that you own would you not give away to keep your life? There's nothing. So this is our greatest possession. This is the last thing we have to give in this world is our very life. And so he here lays it down and he talks about your life. We give it all. So he goes from the willingness to your life, which is our greatest possession, to for your friends. Now, (laughs) see, here's the interesting part of this. Jesus saw what we could be and not what we were. Because when Jesus laid his life down for me, I wasn't his friend. I was his enemy. I walked against him. I didn't live for him. I'm born into this world a sinner. I'm born lost. But by God's grace, I have the opportunity to receive salvation in him. And so he says, for your friends. So he sees what we can be. Not just what we are. And so to give your life for someone else is the greatest gift. And comes from a greater love. And we see that. We know that today. Especially on a weekend like this. And then we see a gentleman with good intentions. As we jump over to John 13. We go back a couple chapters. 
1336-38 says this. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus said, where I go, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow later. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you right now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, a rooster will not crow until you deny me three times. And so here's a pile of good intentions. I will give my life for you. I will. I want to go with you now. And Jesus, and it's so cool that God sees past the fluff and stuff to what actually is the truth. See, we can put on a good show all we want, but He knows. And so he claims to be willing to follow, even lay his life down. See, he had the best of intentions. I'm not even sure that Peter said that with any reservation. I think Peter probably meant it when he said it. But it's different when the heat's on, isn't it? It's easy to talk. See, Jesus tells him that he can't follow him. Right now, and not only will he not die for him, but he'll actually deny him. Now, imagine that. With good intentions, with the right intention, with, with probably pure motives, he says, I wouldn't even die for you. And he says, no, you're not going to die. You're actually going to deny me three times. That must have been devastating for Peter to hear that. And probably a little fearful. When I deny you, that's terrible. But then we kind of hedge when it comes and starts to touch us personally. And so Peter, <laughs> he loved Jesus, but he didn't realize he was unwilling to pay the price. He didn't realize that. Peter, you know, we kind of know Peter. Peter's the guy, the disciple that pops off a lot, right? We think he pops off and we speak, he speaks with uh, irrational things. I don't think it's that. I just think Peter, you ever met people who are all passion? That means their passion just leads them. And they're like, yes! Wait. <laughs> right? There's usually one in the relationship. <coughs> Don't ask Carrie whose it is in our relationship. We have the dreamers, and the dreamers we call the other person the anchor. <laughs> and then the anchor doesn't see themselves as the anchor, they see themselves as the slow and steady. They see themselves as the engine that controls the speed. And the other is the and sees us as the broken rudder. <laughs> that they're trying to control, you know, kind of bring in. Right? It's all perspective. And so that's how it works. And so here he is with good intentions, even stating he'd be willing to die. But he wasn't willing. He really wasn't. When the time came and Jesus had been arrested, and it's really funny how it works if you go back and look at the denials. 
the last one is a little girl, and he starts to swear, I do not even know the man. And then, and then the rooster crows, and he remembered. And he went out and wept bitterly. Because he had not, he wasn't even realizing that he was denying him. And I think that that's it. I think that we don't always realize when we're denying them. I think we can go through life sometimes. We kind of hedge ourselves in the moment and not even realize that we're doing it. And so love always comes with a cost. It always comes with a cost. And the greatest love, the highest cost. The highest cost. He says, no greater love than this man that he laid down his life for his friends. There's no greater love than that. And so we see his good intentions. So, you know, he a greater love to find is dying for your friend. Good intentions, we can all say it. We can all say that we're willing to do that. Oh, I'm willing to follow you wherever. You want me to go where? You want me to sell all my stuff? You know, I think, honestly, I think we have too much stuff, to be honest with you. Amen. Everybody said, Amen. And how many of you are willing to sell it? <laughs> oh, I got quiet. <laughs> One. <laughs> you know, Terry and I were downsizing, and we've been, oh, this is a true story. We, we actually thought we were going to weigh downsize. And we started selling stuff to get unload, unburden ourselves of all this stuff. And we paid off almost all our bills. We're just unloading all that stuff and things. We paid off. We paid off seven bills that we had been carrying by getting rid of stuff. You know what? I'm not so sure we're not that guy in the Bible that builds bigger barns. I tell you, I've I've built the bigger barns for that guy. I've, watched, I've done it. I've, I've been the guy helping. And I know. And he didn't even realize his life would be required. It's terrible. Still bothers me to this day. Most of you know who I'm talking about. He was a friend of mine. And we moved him out of a 2,400 square foot house. And I built this house 6,800 square feet of slab. 5,500 under air. He closed on a Friday. It was dead Saturday. It's a true story. It's a sad story. I love it. I miss it. But we have all this junk. And we don't want to turn loose of it for God's glory. I've been on that journey personally lately. <laughs> it's been a good thing though. Been a cleansing. We just hold on to too much stuff, folks. Too much stuff. Even our own life. Listen, if I could give up my life for Christ, would that I mean that would be an awesome thing to be able to give that? You know, even even as a parent, it'd be hard probably for my parents to see me die, but if they knew I'd given it for Jesus Christ, I think that would ease it a little bit. So now he's torn. <laughs> he's torn. Well, sort of torn. <laughs> Amen.
But parents have no greater joy than to see their kids walk in the truth. Amen? Amen. To see them serve the Lord, to put Him first in their life, to not allow the things of the world to lead them and make decisions for them, but to allow the Holy Spirit to lead them. Parents have no greater joy than that. And so we see a greater love to find. We see good intentions. We have good intentions, folks. But, you know, talk is cheap. <laughs> we see the greatest gift. And we see that. We're going to read about that in John chapter 10, verses 11 through 18. And then we'll jump to Romans. This is Jesus. He said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Even as the Father knows me, I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, so I may take it again. No one has taken it from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father. And so Jesus tells us that as the Good Shepherd, He actually lays His life down for the sheep. We saw that back in John 15. He talks about laying it down. And so the shepherd's responsibility is for the sheep at all costs. At all costs. That's the responsibility of the shepherd. We often think of Jesus in terms of he saved us and good thing that's done. I'm good now. I can call on him if I need something. And hopefully he makes my life better. That's kind of how we that's kind of what Christianity has become today. But if you think that his commitment to you is less now than it was when he gave his life for you, you're wrong. He is he is completely committed to you now. As the one who laid his life down for you. When he said it, it is finished, he was talking about the responsibility for your sin, not the relationship. <laughs> but I've done my part. Woo! All right, now it's up to you. You got to follow me. You got to try harder. You got to work harder. Come on, I did my part. You got to do your part. Let me tell you something. We are not free from works. The exchange life message can mislead people to thinking that we don't have a responsibility to serve and to work and to apply ourselves for the Lord. But the application of that comes out of the moving of the Spirit of God within us. Not to become, but because we are. Because we're in a genuine relationship with Him. And so he talks, he compares himself with a hired hand, fleeing and leaving the sheep because he doesn't care about them. That's pretty rough, man. Just to blow off your responsibility like that and run away. What would we call them in the military? 
People that do that. Deserters, right? Traitors. Well, I'll tell you what, I hope I'm never found to be a traitor to the Lord. I hope I never desert him. Unfortunately, I think probably I have sometimes. If we're honest, you know, let's just cut to the chase. Is there a time that you didn't take a stand for Christ because it might have made your life more difficult? Instead of saying, I don't care what, what happens to my life, I stand for him. I'll tell you what, every soldier that enlists, their life becomes more difficult. Before they even are assigned or sent out, they go to basic training. And those of you who've served know basic training ain't no piece of cake. It's a different kind of cake. (laughs) Dirt cake. You can have your cake and you're going to eat it too until I tell you you're done. And I bet you those of you who served in the military found out that your limits were not where they, you thought they were when you went in. They push you to find that you actually can go further than you think. And I think that's true in our walk with Christ too. I think we could actually go further than we think. We think that we're not enough. We think that he can't use me like that. We think that, oh, I'm not that great of a speaker. You know who else said that? Moses. Moses was used... I love that Moses said that. Well, send Aaron because I can't talk so good. No, I've picked you. But I'm not as pretty as so-and-so. Fantastic. Then you're more like Christ. That's how I know I was made his image. Because he said that he wasn't anything to look at. We got this all wrong, folks. We want to apply the world's rules to God's work, and it doesn't work that way. The prettiest, the most wealthiest, and the biggest church in town, they can, they can really do something for God. And you know, unfortunately, I've been a part of that mentality before, to be honest with you, if I'm going to be transparent. Well, once we get to this place, or once we have this, we can do something. No. If we're obedient to God, He's going to use us exactly where He wants us. And He's going to bring the people along into our lives that He wants us to invest in. Because it's not about buildings. It's not about counting heads. It's not about how much offering there is. It's about the power of God in the life and the heart of the people He's intending to reach through us. And the rest of it, He will take care of. And if we put our eyes on Him and on Him alone... And we focus on being a place of refuge and strength and honesty and safety. Then God can do a great work here. We may never be 10,000. Who cares? I want to be the exact number that God wants us to be. And I don't really even want him to tell me. Because then I'll always be thinking about that. And then once we ever, if we ever hit that number, I'll be like, Phew, we're done, we're done. I'm not sure I'm mature enough to handle it. Let's be honest. And so it's interesting because we're included in this verse. He said, I have other sheep, not of this fold. 
that I have to bring also. Listen, folks, that's us. Who's talking about you and me? If you've been saved. If you've been genuinely saved. And let me tell you something. I'm not talking about praying a prayer on a time ago. I'm not talking about having some Bible knowledge. Now I'm getting in trouble. Don, you better pray for me. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about someone who's really turned their heart and their life over to Christ because they, they confess that they're a sinner and they meant it. And they put their faith in His death, burial, and resurrection as payment for their sins and they meant it. Because God's Word says that His Holy Spirit will come in and He will illuminate Scripture to you. He'll convict you of sin. He'll lead you into, into all righteousness. Are those things happening? If those things are not happening, maybe... He didn't meet him. There were people that were casting out demons in Jesus' name. And one day they come before him and Jesus said, depart from me for I never knew you. See, we ask the church, we ask people today, do you know the Lord? That may be the wrong question. The question is, does he know you? Because we can all claim. But if, you don't, if he's not in there... Working and leading and touching and showing and convicting. See, the beautiful thing about conviction, when he shows us we're wrong, he shows us we're wrong with the path that's right. Which gives us the hope. He doesn't say, Mark, you're just sorry. That's what the enemy does. The enemy will try. What does the enemy do? When he attacks, let's take the enemy as a... We have to do more Bible study around here, Don. Lion. As a roaring lion. I won't do that again. (laughs) But you know what a roaring lion does? Do you know why they roar? They roar to claim territory. They don't roar to threaten. They roar to say, this is my territory. So he roams around... Trying to claim territory, seeking whom he may devour. And when lions find sheep they want, they don't attack the entire herd. They cut them from the herd. They separate them. And I will tell you, the enemy will lie to us in our mind to cut us from the herd so that he can devour us. I can't tell you, I hear this stuff all the time, and, it, and I could tell immediately that it's the enemy at work. Now, are we supposed to be mad at the individual? Absolutely not. We're to come alongside them. How many of you seen the videos where some animals getting attacked? Uh, there was one that hyenas, I saw this just recently, hyenas were actually attacking a lion. And another lion's, the lions came over and helped them, and the, and the hyenas took tail and left. See, we don't leave them out that we go, oh man, they're surrounded by hyenas. Ain't no one out there. We charge in as brothers and sisters of family, willing to give our own life because we see our brother or sister in danger. That's what we're supposed to do. You know, oh, to be a part of a church that does it the way God's word says. 
instead of the way we've always done it. I am so sick of that, it makes me puke. And I will tell you, if God wants to use you, the enemy is going to, the enemy is going to target you. If you look around and you see people not here today, call them. Call them. That's not a cheap comment. Do it. Because you love them. And you want them to know, we're coming. If the enemy's attacking, we're coming. We're coming, baby. It's on. You ain't alone. And I'm not going to let it happen. I'm not on my watch. Because love is real. And love, it can be dirty at times. Love does not abandon its own. Love stands toe to toe. Nose to nose against the enemy. Knowing we've already won. That's what the military does for this country. That's what we do for one another. Jesus tells us that no one took his life. He laid it down by his own authority so he could take it again. See, if they were able to take his life, then he didn't have the authority to take it up again. He had to lay it down and he had to take it up. And so he had authority over that. Now we come to Romans 5. Because he talks about what he would do as a good shepherd. A good shepherd will do this. The good shepherd lays down. It's a forward looking. So Romans 5 verses 6 through 8 says this. For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died. He did it for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man. Though perhaps for the the good man, someone would dare even to die. But God commended his own love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so Jesus, in my case, did not die for a good man. He died for a sinner. But he didn't leave me there. I'm not just a polished up sinner. What is he rescued if that's what I still am? <laughs> if I'm a prisoner to that, I'm set free. I'm set free. We're told that while we were helpless, Jesus did. Listen, he died for the ungodly. He kept his promise and gave his life for us. What amazing sacrifice. What amazing sacrifice. He gave it all. His sacrifice demonstrated his love for us. Listen. Young people. People will talk all the time and tell you that they love you. And I'm going to tell you something. You know what love, you know what love, you know what I love you really means when you're young? And I, found, I look back and I realized... What I love you means is I feel good about myself when you're around. You make me feel good about me. So I love you. It's a selfish love. Or you make me feel important because you're next to me. 
I'm special because somebody loves me. It's an identity thing. You know what love really is? Love is the commitment to the betterment of another. So if I say that I love you, I'm committed to your betterment. You know how you know how people say, well, the love is gone. You ever heard that before? The only reason the love could be gone is because it was never there. That there was a misunderstanding. See, love gives. For God so loved the world that he did what? Games. So love gives. And if there's a bowl, if you think about it like a bowl, if we love somebody, we're both giving to that bowl. The bowl's always full. So if the love is gone, that's your fault. It's your responsibility. You're not giving. Well, all they do is take. You don't understand. You ever been, have you ever taken? Oh, a silence fell over the crowd. Of course we all have. But the only way you have anything in your account is you put more in than you take out. And that's what love's about. He demonstrated his love. It wasn't just talk. He gave. His sacrifice demonstrated his love for us. Listen, all sacrifice demonstrates love, doesn't it? Parents? Kids sometimes sacrifice for parents too. All sacrifice demonstrates love. Because if I don't love you, I ain't sacrificing nothing for you. Right? No way. I guess. His was the greatest gift as he gave his life and paid the price for our sins. That's the greatest gift. That's a greater love. That's a greater love. So what is our takeaway? When we talk about a greater love, we have to talk about what characteristics make a hero. Jesus was our hero, wasn't he? Today, you know, it's funny. You talk to these guys from the, the greatest generation, as they're called, the guys that served in World War II. And I think it was uh, Colonel Winters was asked. Do you know who Colonel Winters is? He was in the Airborne, 101st Airborne um, Easy Company. Uh, the, uh, the HBO miniseries Band of Brothers was built around. And his grandson asked him, he said, uh, were you a hero in the war? And, he, and he, you know what he told his grandson? He told his grandson, he said, no, but I served in the company of heroes. And it just gives you chills. Because there were men and women who, who gave their life and their limbs for freedom. To not give, to not turn over. And so what makes it, we live in a time... Here you go, boys and girls. We live in a time when new superheroes are being created. You know, I grew up when it was Superman and Batman and Green Lantern. And he was kind of iffy. Right? Now we've got, you guys can, I think Thor is one now. And there's, thank you. Yeah. I had the whole, that was all. 
Yeah, but there's all these new ones. It's the, isn't it the X-Men? Is that what they are now? Yeah. You guys can fill me in on this. I, you know. <laughs> but they're being created. We're coming up with, oh, Mr. Incredible. Oh, that a cool movie. That was a good movie. Yeah. All this, we're coming up with new superheroes. We're making them up. And so, but you know, a true superhero is selfless and sacrificial. Their concern is for others and not themselves. And you know, I can think of a couple heroes, a couple categories, well, category and a person. Our soldiers are heroes. They really are, all of them. Anybody willing to put their life on the line for me is a hero to me. And so if you serve, thank you for putting yourself out there in front of the bullets that were aimed at me. But Jesus is also our hero because he rescued us too. He did. He gave his life for us. He laid it down for you and me. Think about this. The lashes that he took were meant for me. The ridicule and the spitting was meant for me. The hitting with the reed was meant for me. The nails should have gone through me. The splinters and the raw meat in his back from pushing up and down on the cross were meant for me. The rejection and lack of belief and doubt was meant for me. And him giving up his very life was meant for me. And you. And he did it so I don't have to. That's a hero if I've ever seen one. So if we talk about a greater love, we have to talk about the characteristics of a hero. It's selflessness. It's selflessness in a sacrificial mentality. Two. Good intentions do not get the job done. How many times have we ever meant to do something and never got around to it? How many of you sold a project in a garage sale that you bought as a project? <laughs> I have. Go out there, look where the stuff's listed. This is a project that I meant to do and I never got around to it, so I'm selling it cheap. It's there all the time. Good intentions. We all sit in church and we have good intentions, don't we? But we get the reason we get around to it with Christ is because we love Him, because love gives. And if you don't love Him, don't pretend. Don't get mad at me. Oh, you can get mad at me. At least it lets him off. I'll take that for him. I'll take your anger for him. That applies to me too. I can't say that I love him if I'm not willing to sacrifice. Or that I'm not willing to commit and give. Out of joy. Not because I have to. Because I get to. You remember your wedding day? Some of you. Where he's like, I get to spend the rest of my life with this person. Not like after a few years of marriage, you're like, I've got to spend the rest of my life with this person. 
I get this. <laughs> Nobody moved. <laughs> but that's what it's like. The joy of having that, of, of being able to be there for them. And so good intention. Listen, folks. Talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. How do you feel when somebody tells you something and then they don't do it? Yeah. We can't even express it. It's just a sound. Let's not be like that. Three. We talked about what makes a hero, good intentions, and then honoring our heroes. Listen, heroes deserve to be honored. Today, this weekend, we, we honor our fallen veterans, right? We have, a, at least I do, and I think you guys do, those of you that I know, have a tremendous love for the military and the service that they provide and their willingness to be there right on the front line. We honor them. Sometimes people will pay for their meals. Some of it's just an automatic respect when you find out somebody served. And so we honor our heroes. We honor those who put themselves in harm's way for us. Today we honor our fallen veterans for their sacrifice in keeping our country safe and protecting our way of life. But we have, a, we have a responsibility to honor Jesus in the same way. I think we have more honor and respect for our veterans than we do Jesus. Think about the emotion that you carry when you find out somebody was a veteran or they served or they lost a loved one. It's like this, this huge thing kind of comes over us of awe and respect, right? Shouldn't it be even greater for Christ? But it's not. Well, because we hear about him all the time. He becomes commonplace. We talk of, listen, if you're over the cross, maybe you never met him at the cross. <laughs> well, I've heard that before. I've heard that a hundred times. You know, I, I can listen to it a thousand times. Because that wouldn't even cover all the sin that he dealt with for me. <laughs> not even close. Not even close. And so, in the same way, in the same way that we honor our veterans, we ought to honor Jesus even all the more. We do that by giving the same sacrifice that Jesus gave. Didn't that what he said? He said, in the same way I loved you, so do we have to go to the cross? That's not what he's talking about. It's in Romans 12. We're to sacrifice ourselves for the glory of Christ. We're living sacrifice, holy, acceptable in his sight. Instead of focusing on what he can do for us, maybe we should focus on our service for him. See, that's what's sold today. What can Jesus do for you? How can he change your life? Instead of what do we owe him? And the joy of serving. What I want to do is share with you a video.
of some of our honoring our servicemen. So there are people who have given their lives so we can experience the life we have now. Today, Memorial Day weekend, we honor them by remembering their sacrifice. There's someone who gave his life so we could inherit eternal life. His name is Jesus. And we honor him every day by being a living sacrifice. That's our call. That's our enlistment in our papers. And so may we be faithful. May we <laughs> Semper Fi 
to Jesus Christ and to his call. Quit dabbling and playing with the garbage of the world. Listen, the beauty of, of soldiers, if you look back and you study them, their pack is determined by the authorities who are over them. They don't get to take mementos from home and, and all kind of stuff. They don't get to take grandma's apple pie and their favorite toy from when they were a kid when they go into battle. Because that stuff bogs them down and will distract them from the job at hand. And our job at hand is to fall madly and passionately in love with Jesus Christ. And honor Him in even a greater way than we do our veterans. And we honor them. And so I'm going to ask everybody to bow their head and close their eyes right now.